as is the norm, ladies and gentlemen, you are welcome with open arms to this edition of the Sportsbook here on 760 WJR. Oh, yes, there is a lot to get to. Uh, as far as the football weekend went, uh, pretty darn good, especially if you're a follower of the Detroit Lions and Michigan football Wolverines. Not so much for my Spartans. We'll cover it all as this program unfolds. Uh, let's get to some introductions before we go any further. Uh, Nicholas Roddy, uh, the producer of this fine program, uh, he has the night off. But Blake is here. Blake's I am here. always here. I'm a, I live here, actually. I was just going to ask you, where's your cot? Uh, it's in the back. There you go. Mark's office. Everything well? Everything is well. The kitchen at the new house is coming along. Wonderful. We're getting somewhere. We're gonna have we're gonna have a sink on Tuesday finally. Um, you've only owned a home for what a month? Yeah, a month, month and a half. And you look like you're fifty three years old. Yeah. No, I'm getting grayer and grayer on the temples, man. I swear. Nice to have you with us. And uh we wanna start as always by thanking our Great friends at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort for making this show possible. Uh, normally, I am joined, whether it be here at the fabulous Fisher Building or wherever, uh, by my partner, Jamie Edmonds. But in case you haven't heard, a couple of weeks ago, Jamie and her husband, Ryan, welcomed Olivia James into the world. A beautiful young lady. What do you say we catch up? Jamie, what's happening, Mama? Oh, my gosh. Hello. Look at you. Look at us. (laughs) You know, it just seems like yesterday uh, you broke the news uh, while we were at Soaring Eagle. And uh, that was, what, eight months ago, nine months ago? and That was a big day because I told you about the baby and I won a lot of money on the slot machine. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, you did, as a matter of fact. Wheel of Fortune. But who's counting? Yes. Um, Yes. So you sent a pick of your beautiful daughter, Olivia. And we kibitzed a little bit last week leading up to this all-important conversation. Correct. And uh, there was a little something-something going on. Apparently, Olivia decided that she was going to be awake during the uh, nighttime hours and sleep during the day. Yes, as a week-old little baby, she decides she wants to be awake at night and sleeping during the day. Beautiful. But as a two-week-old little baby, we figured it out a little bit. She sleeps in longer sections, which is great for mom. Uh, that's outstanding. So um, that is straightening itself out. So what about the entire experience? Um, I think everything went went swimmingly, did it not? Well, how detailed are we getting here on this program, Steve? Well, <laughs> we're all adults. <laughs> Um, <laughs> no. no, it went really well. It only took 12 hours and she was here. A little bit of an adjustment, is it not? Yeah, but, you know, people ask me how things are going and I keep saying, oh, it's heaven because it is. Well, and you've heard uh, leading up to uh, Olivia joining us, you better get your sleep while you can. I mean, I get what those people are saying now. I totally get it. <laughs> but again... Overall, she's a pretty good baby, and we're just really happy over here. And uh, I know, uh, looking at some of your uh, tweets, you're still following sports because that's what you do. Uh, sorry Correct. about your Steelers. Um, 
Dreadful yeah. loss of the Pats yesterday. Dreadful offense in general. No longer like Mitch Trubisky. <laughs> well, that honeymoon lasted uh, uh, about a week One and a week. half. Yeah. Yeah. Um, how long, and I know you've got peeps in the Steel City, how long before we start this Kenny Pickett thing? I think sooner rather than later, although Tomlin spoke today and he says there are things that he likes about Trubisky. I think he's just sort of placating right now, and we'll see. All right. But I think Kenny Pickett plays this year. Meanwhile, you had to thoroughly enjoy what you witnessed from Ford Field yesterday. Wasn't that great? It was great. I wasn't at Ford Field. I was on my couch. But right. it it really feels like these guys are improving. Like they're a real football team that gets to the quarterback. You know, I'm just going to say this because um, I enjoy the national perspective. And, you know, we've gone through hard knocks. And I think we're all in agreement that, you know, Dan Campbell has forged a hell of a team atmosphere with this Lions team. Uh, so I'm watching the Fox postgame show, and both Howie Long and Terry Bradshaw uh, went on and on about, uh, you know, how good they think this Lions team is going to be because of Dan Campbell and changing the culture. Look, every new Lions administration, and there's been 500,000, it seems <laughs> like, always sets out to change the culture. Matt Patricia stunk at it, uh, and those before tried and uh, had limited success. Jim Caldwell came pretty close. He did a good job. I mean, yeah. he had a winning record. But nine and seven's not good enough. Anyway, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is you've got these national folk buying on to what Campbell's doing. And, and, and I got to tell you, I don't know what the future holds, but for the moment anyway, James, uh, I think it's pretty damn good. I think it's great. I really enjoyed Hard Knocks and seeing that behind-the-scenes stuff. It looks like it's translating to the field. Granted, the Commanders are not a great football team. <laughs> um, we'll see next week, really, that when the Lions are tested. But what stinks and what makes me feel like it's same old Lions is the injury bug. And early on with this offensive line, like we just got them all back, you know? Yeah, it was a little bit disheartening. But from that, you know, because, look, we, we all know that injury – whether it's football, baseball, hockey, bat, whatever the case may be, injury is opportunity. And Dan Skipper, uh, I absolutely love this story. Dan has been around for a while, mostly on the practice squad, and uh, he's an offensive tackle by trade. He has never played guard, as a matter of fact. So he gets the start because Jonah Jackson can't go yesterday. So uh, there was that uh, uh, piece uh, online uh, after the win. Dan Campbell just calls him out and says, hey, Skip, way to go. Played a hell of a game. And then the team starts chanting his name. And you could tell Dan Skipper was getting a little emotional. Wasn't that something? I love that. I love that about sports. You know, that's one of my favorite things. And for Dan Campbell to single him out and send him out to the podium, I think is fantastic. Uh, now, I know uh, I'm going to be discussing the uh, Lions and their good fortunes yesterday with uh, the one, the only Michael Hare in the minutes coming up. Uh, meanwhile, your thoughts on the Tigers bringing aboard young Scott Harris as the new president of baseball operations has a heck of a resume. Uh, currently the uh, GM of the Giants, uh, where he's had success, not to mention spent seven seasons with the Chicago Cubs. He got to be assistant general manager there and had a pretty big role in that World Series winning 2016 season. So uh, he comes here with some pretty darn good pedigree. I think that's what they had to do. They had to go outside the organization because they didn't when Dombrowski left. 
consult check. They go outside and a guy with a good resume. I think both are checks and then we'll have to wait and see. Well, it's interesting. Uh, in the seven years <clears throat> that Al Avila was here, <clears throat> he had the reputation, well, the Tigers did, as a matter of fact, of being one of the uh, less progressive teams in baseball <clears throat> as far as analytics and, you know, things right. of this nature. Now you've got A.J. Hinch and uh, I guess pitching coach Chris Fetter. They're all under the impression they need to get a little bit more modernized. And it sounds as though Scott Harris is going to come in and help them out in that regard. Well, great. Sign me up. That's what they should be doing. You know, analytics, okay, whatever the case may be, it, it, it seems to be the trend in baseball. So you're right. Uh, hopefully. Well, what I'm excited about, I know A.J. Hinch, James, has a lot of respect in Major League Baseball. He's gone through a very disappointing season, but he is all in. And uh, I think that's great. And he probably had Chris Hillage's ear as far as signing off on Scott Harris. Well, yeah, and he said that he wanted to be involved, so you got to assume that he followed through, and that's how you got this guy to come here. So I'm, I'm encouraged. Uh, do you have any interest in wagering on the two? I said two Monday night games tonight, or no? You want to, you, you want to take a little bit more of a break, and then we'll, we'll hit it running. Well, no, we back. could definitely wager. If I win, I'll get you Miller Lite. If no, wait, if I win, you get me Formula, and then if you win, I'll get you Miller Lite. Well, everybody's got a drink. (laughs) (laughs) All right, quickly, Titans and Bills in Buffalo. Buffalo knocking off the defending Super Bowl champ Rams in week one. They are favored by 10. Oh, I think the Bills are really good, though. I would take that. All right. Uh, In honor of Olivia, I'm going to take the Titans and the 10. Uh, The nightcap. Vikings on the road against the Eagles. Many under the impression because the Vikings knock off Aaron Rodgers and Packers in week one that they are the salt of the NFC North. The Eagles, of course, open up with a win against our Lions. Philly in Philly favored by three. Um, I don't know. I think the Vikings are supposed to be the best ones in this division, right? That's what they're saying. Mm, okay. Well, what don't, one do you want? I'll go. Uh, I'll go Eagles. I'll lay right, the three. I'll take, okay, I'll take the Vikings then. All right, very good. Just like the old times. Very exciting, James. My best to you and Ryan, and of course Olivia, and uh, look forward to having you back uh, whenever you see fit to do that. I can't wait to come back. I miss you guys, and um, yeah, I'll keep sending, texting you pictures. <laughs> All right, can't wait. Take it easy. All right, thank you. Take, Bye, guys. Take it easy, mom. See ya. <laughs> Bye. Uh, my partner, Jamie Edmonds. Um, what a special, special moment. Uh, Olivia James, wow, what a little doll. And uh, she'll be back sooner rather than later. At least that's what I'm saying. Uh, we're going to take a break, come back with Mo Better Blues, talking about some wonderful things as it involves your Detroit Lions. Leave it here. It's the Sportsbook on 760 WJR. All right, Bills-Titans underway, game one of the Monday night football doubleheader. I will certainly keep you posted because that's what I do. Meanwhile, after the opening loss to the Eagles, Dan Campbell uh, said, look, we didn't play complimentary football. That is to say, offense, defense, special teams, all making contributions. Well, in week two uh, yesterday, uh, they did just that in the 36-27 win over the Washington Commanders. 
And uh, I, for one, uh, seen a lot of Lions football. Uh, I thought the first half, probably one of the more dominant halves for a Lions team in quite some time. Let's see if our next guest agrees. From DetroitLions.com, Michael B. O'Hara. Mo, what's happening? Steve, just a B-plus, just once, okay? You're getting there. I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> uh, but okay. Truly, as the Lions, Mike, building that 22 nothing halftime lead uh, over Carson Wentz and the Commanders, I'm thinking to myself, self, this has been pretty damn impressive. Yeah, I would agree with that. It sort of started slow. You know, they had a, a drive there early, uh, couldn't score on it when they uh, just couldn't, you know, couldn't cash in. But there was a series there, uh, Steve, and, and Dan Campbell talked about it day that he thought was the key to that entire, to that game. And that's when they had the 3 nothing lead on the, on the fourth and fourth and three from the goal line. Right. He'll fail to convert there. And Charles Harris comes in and sacks the quarterback. Carson Wentz knocks the ball out of his hand, rolls out of the end zone, <clears throat> safety to make it five to nothing. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then in the free kick, Khalif uh, Raymond returns it. I think it was 52 yards. The Lions mm-hmm. score again, and all of a sudden it's it's, it's uh, 12 nothing, and they were they were they were on their way the rest of the game. Made it 22 nothing at the halftime. And you know, look, give Washington some credit. They they made it a game. They they didn't fold when they could have, but they made it a game and. But you know, Lions answered back every time they had to do. Unlike the, the week before, where they just couldn't, the defense couldn't answer back and give the offense a chance to go to work. The Lions really played, like you said, complimentary football and won the game. And very, in my mind, for this early in the season, a pretty impressive win for the Lions. And you make a good point, Mo. Um, you know, you knew uh, the Commanders were not just going to disappear, and they did. They cut the lead to seven. Uh, at what point? Um, and in years past, in similar situations, uh, we have seen the Lions fold like a house of cards. But they were resilient yesterday, and they made plays when they had to make them to uh, get a W. And I think defensively, uh, one of the more exciting things, and of course Aiden Hutchinson doing what he was brought here to do uh, with three sacks in the first half. They had five as a team. Let's start there, Mike. Uh, I know, again, it's just one game, but to see this pass rush from a Lions team is something pretty new. Well, you know, they had a pretty good rush on on Jalen Hurts in the first game against, you know, the quarterback of the Eagles, but they couldn't get him down. He was a mobile quarterback, and he ran away from the rush. Look, they got him off the spot and all of that, but he had an answer for that, just his natural speed. And, you know, pretty smart kid, too, just a third year in the National Football League and second as a full-time starter. So he was able to elude the rush. Not so with Carson Wentz. And I thought, I think one of the keys to this game was, and and it's not really anything that happened on the field, it's just that you know, the two rookies who I thought played prominent roles yesterday, Aiden Hutchinson, you know, the pass rush and defensive end, and Malcolm Rodriguez, the, the linebacker, sixth-round draft pick from Colorado State, they had a game of the National Football League under their belt, the opener. And that's, that, that really... I think, in my mind, sort of welcomed them to the feed, the speed, the intensity of regular season football in the National Football League. There is nothing, and I mean absolutely nothing, that can approximate in practice and combined practices 
preseason games, watching film, nothing can get you ready for the National Football League and the dynamic athletes and the speed that they play at. Nothing can get you accustomed to that. Nothing can get you ready for that like playing a game, and I think that helped both of them. I thought they, they adjusted to the tempo, and they looked like National Football League players to me on Sunday as opposed to a couple of young guys just starting to make their way. Over the years, Mo, uh, we have all witnessed some pretty darn good wide receivers in the Honolulu Blue and Silver, obviously Herman Moore, Calvin Johnson. Uh, we may be watching somebody else who's going to obtain uh, some pretty good uh, success. I'm on Ross St. Brown. Uh, the uh, line is this, nine receptions, 116 yards, two touchdowns. He uh, is the first player in league history to have six straight games with at least six catches and a score. The uh, second-year pro also tied an NFL record with eight-plus catches in eight consecutive games, not to mention, Mike, two carries for 68 yards. How special can he be? Well, he and, and, and DeAndre Swift give the Lions you know, dynamic players on both levels, running back and a wide receiver. And it's really, I don't think the Lions have had that combination. And I'm not saying they're as good as these players yet, but they haven't had that combination of running back wide receiver at that level since Herman Moore and Barry Sanders back in the 1990s. I'm not complaining, I'm not comparing anybody to Barry Sanders. But I'm just saying since then, this is the best duo in my mind that the Detroit Lions have put on the field. And these are, they are really, really good, impactful players. You know, Steve, in the first two games, and I looked, looked this up today and added it up, and I trust my math, by the way, but they really? have combined. Yeah, no, <laughs> but they have, combined, they have combined to gain 510 yards from scrimmage, score five touchdowns in two games. That's two players combining for that. There are teams that haven't done that. These two, these two young athletes have done that on their own. Not of their own, they got, you know, the, the blockers and all that other stuff. But this is really a dynamic duo that if they stay healthy or, in Swift's case, get healthy, they can really do some damage for years to come. Well, the thing about uh, uh, DeAndre Swift, he was supposed to have that bum ankle yesterday. It was questionable coming in. Five carries, 56 yards. He also had uh, that 50-yard scamper, not to mention that TD reception uh, that the Lions needed at that point. Before the season started, Mike, I said DeAndre Swift will be a pro bowler. You want to jump on that bandwagon? Well, if he's healthy, he will be. He really is. Like I said, he's the, he's that kind of athlete, and he's a good, smart football player too. He's just got a great, great feel for the game. I mean, no, no better example of that than that touchdown he scored on the 22-yard uh, throw from from Jared Goff. I mean, Goff was under pressure, kind of lobbed it to him. Uh, Swift made a lunging, lunging uh, reception, fell down on the seat of his pants, got up, circled left, and outran the defense into the end zone. It was just, you know, it was an acrobatic play. It's, it was as much acrobatics as it was football, but just a tremendous, tremendous football play on his part. On his part, And that was really another one of those plays and another one of those responses that when Washington was getting close, the Lions were able to do something. They had answers for what they did and kept them at, at, uh, at arm's length. The uh, Lions offensively have scored 35-plus points in three straight games. Their longest streak since doing so four straight times, Mike, from 1952 to 1953, they won NFL championships in those seasons. Uh, is this offense, in your opinion, sir, uh, built and uh, 35 plus points every game? I, uh, no, but I think it is built for success. Is it not? Yeah, I thought coming into the season, I thought that 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 that, uh, that this that a lot of what the Detroit Lions would do this year 
would be predicated by an offense and would it be good enough to make up for look some deficiencies on defense and look the Lions have given up a lot of a lot of points and a lot of yards in the first two games too so it's certainly not overall a finished product but they have been uh, to some degree pretty opportunistic of what they've done on defense and I think I think you saw that Sunday against Washington this was a better team a better defense than the one that we saw play against the Eagles on, on uh, the, the previous week but yeah I, I really agree with you this is this is really uh, a good offense. You know, they've got an underrated quarterback or underappreciated anyway and in, in Jared Goff. I mean, you look at what he's done. He's got, what, six touchdown passes and one interception. And if you look at what he did in his last uh, f- five games last season, he's got 17, I'm sorry, 17 touchdown passes and three interceptions in the last seven games he's played for the Detroit Lions. And to me, that's winning football. Now the Lions won four of those games and lost three, but the way you know, Last year alone, he was quarterback of a team that really had trouble beating anybody. Just the idea that they finished the season as strong as they did, I thought was a tribute to that entire team, but certainly to Jared Goff. Now, our dreams of having the Lions offensive line intact uh, for the majority, just the majority of a full regular season, uh, pretty much put away uh, because they get the win yesterday. Without Frank Rag now at center, Evan Brown uh, jumps in, does an admirable job as he did all of last year uh, in for Frank. And Jonah Jackson, the left guard, couldn't go. So uh, the powers that be say, you know what, Dan Skipper. And, you know, Mike, Dan's been hanging around, hanging around, practice squad, this, that, and the other thing. He's never played guard. He did yesterday. Dan Campbell singles him out in the postgame festivities, and then the team jumps in, starts chanting his name, and he was a little emotional, Dan Skipper, that is. That's a great moment. Yeah, you know, it's hard to watch that. You know, if you go to DetroitLions.com and see some of the videos, it's hard to watch that without sort of getting, you know, getting a little weepy-eyed yourself. Sure. Because you see, you know, look, they're athletes, they're, you know, and all of that, but they're also people. And then he was the first player that they brought to the podium yesterday, too, for the post-game interview. He could just... You could see what it meant to him. It really did. Look, he's he's been in the league in some degree, practice squads, you know, off season, you know, OTAs and all that other stuff, training camp. But I looked this up. I think he's only been active for ten games in six years, and had never started a game before yesterday. But persevered. You know, look, he's got a dream and he's got a vision for what he wants. He's got a. He's married with a. I think he said yesterday that. He's got two. He's got uh, twin boys, I think it is. So he's you know, he's got a. There's a lot relying, you know, a lot riding on what he does, and he's chosen the path of pro football to, to support himself and his family. And but just a, just his reaction, and the reaction of his teammates, just goes to show you what how how, you know, away from the limelight and all that, how tight those people are, how close they are, and what they mean to each other, and really they they root for each other, but. I thought they took it to an, to an extra high level for Dan Skipper. And, and you know what? Well-intended, well done. All right, just a quick update here, Mike. Uh, in Buffalo, the Bills already up 7 nothing on the visiting Titans. Reggie Gilliam, an 11-yard touchdown reception from Josh Allen. 7 nothing Bills, 9.07 left in the first quarter. All right, uh, in closing, Mike, I just want to say this. Watching that Fox postgame show uh, after the Lions' victory, Howie Long, Terry Bradshaw, going on and on about how Dan Campbell has changed the culture of this Detroit Lions franchise. They have completely bought in and think the Lions are in for a great season. Uh, They're getting a lot of national love because of hard knocks. It all has, 
you know, something to do with it. But it's nice to see that perspective about a team that's been beat down for years. Absolutely. I would agree with that. I think, you know, let's give Dan, uh, uh, Jim Caldwell, his four years here in Detroit. I yes. think he changed the culture, too. Look, the people in that building loved him. And I didn't did not disagree when when uh, Bob Quinn decided to go a different direction. He just hired the wrong guy to replace him in Matt, uh, Matt Patricia. And it just didn't work for whatever reason. I mean, Patricia was a terrific offensive, or I'm sorry, defensive coordinator for the Patriots. But it didn't work as a head coach, just like it hasn't for a lot of other people. But what Howie Long and his other people, look, they've got a feel for chemistry, you know, of teams. And, and if they see the Detroit Lions on the rise for whatever reason, I, I wouldn't disagree with them because – you know, Dan Campbell, what you see in these post-game interviews, that's him. It's This is not an act. This is not, you know, walking off the field. Somebody in the, in the organization has whispered to him what he might what he might hit on in his post-game press conference. He, it comes right from the heart, comes right from, right from his brain. You're getting the pure, unvarnished uh, Dan Campbell when he's speaking. And he's not only... Not only what he tells us, he tells his players the same thing. It's not one story for us and one story for the players. He's as genuine as it comes. All right, up next, a trip to the land of 10,000 lakes. little how you doing with the Minnesota Vikings. First road game for the Lions, first divisional game. That's going to be a 1 o'clock kick. Michael, thanks for the insight as always, my friend. All right, Steve, thanks for having me. All right, from DetroitLions.com, the one, the only, Mike O'Hara with us here on the Sportsbook on 760 WJR. All right, folks, just want to bring you up to date on this. Uh, the Detroit Tigers brought aboard Scott Harris as the president of baseball operations today, uh, choosing the San Francisco Giants general manager to run the organization to try, try and get us out of this rebuild that seems like it's been going on forever. I'll tell you this. Uh, never met Scott Harris, never chatted with him. Uh, seems to have a very impressive resume. Uh, Maybe the right guy for the job. He uh, is looked at as being a rising star in front office circles. Spent the last three seasons with the Giants, working alongside their president of baseball operations to build a team, by the way, that won 107 games in 2021. Also spent seven seasons with the Cubs. Uh, he got to uh, assistant general manager and played a huge role in their World Series winning 2016 season. So uh, all the best. We'll have more. As a matter of fact, a couple of program notes. 819 tomorrow morning on the Paul W. Smith Show, my old buddy Danny Dickerson, the voice of Tigers. Uh, we'll get bits about this. And then at 849, looking forward to the conversation with Lions Center Frank Ragnow. Valuable information all the way around. Uh, now, Blake, a little conversation about the college football weekend that was. And uh, a little disappointing uh, for my Spartans going out to Seattle. And I think what you had there was a classic example of a Midwest school going out west to face a team that was lying in wait. Uh, I'll tell you what about Michael Penix. Uh, he was something else. 397 yards four touchdowns, and it was 22 nothing really before I think Sparty realized what the hell was going on. Yeah, that the score was a lot closer than what the actual game outcome was. MSU made that a game late, I know. And I know you were very disappointed, but we kind of talked about this before the show. I just – I still have so many questions about that Spartan defense. They got a – that – 
and I know that they're dealing with some injuries in the secondary, but you gotta you go back to the no fly zone. The MSU used to be known for their secondary, and now. Yeah, well, here's, you know, the ironic thing is going into the Washington tilt, the Spartans led the nation in sacks. If you have a team with a consistent and effective pass rush, what that does is help out a young secondary. Definitely. Uh, But because of the style of Michael Penix Jr., they weren't able to get to him. And if you allow Penix or really anybody at that level to find somebody, they're going to. <clears throat> so, you know, there was that. Um, Washington takes the opening possession. They score 7 nothing. Then you have a goal line stand by that Spartan defense. They had two goal line stands, one in the first quarter, one in the fourth. And after both, disaster. A safety and a pick. Yeah. So sometimes... This is the way it's going to go. And Mel Tucker discussed it with us afterwards, saying he's been doing this for a while. And every once in a while, the best laid plans go awry. And if you recall with this Spartan team a year ago, uh, after the loss to Purdue, they followed that up with a win. After the loss to Ohio State, they followed up with a win. Mel says he's going to straighten the ship because the Big Ten season gets underway uh, at the woodshed come Saturday playing host to a flying Minnesota Golden Gopher team. I, and you know how closely I follow college football on a national scale. I think that that Washington team is legit. They could very definitely be in the running to win the Pac-12. I, well, I think that they're top two or three team in the Pac-12. That's a very good team. So. All I know is that the aforementioned Penix has some pretty darn good tools. That uh, Jalen Polk, six receptions, career-high 153 yards and three TDs. Uh, I think they're going to do some damage there in the Pac-12, no doubt about it. By the way, uh, that will be a 3.30 kick against the Golden Gophers. Yours truly with the tailgate show getting underway at 12.30. Looking forward to it. Uh, Meanwhile, your Michigan Wolverines there, lad. Uh, Again, absolutely, absolutely no problems. 59-0 winners over the Huskies of UConn. Uh, J.J. McCarthy, 15 of 18, 214 yards, uh, rating of 63. Uh, But um, he's the guy, and he can also do damage with his feet. Do you think in your heart of hearts, Blake, that that's what separated him from Cade McNamara? I think it's that, and when he throws the ball, and not that Cade doesn't throw a good ball, but when J.J. throws the ball, it, it's different. He he can make NFL throws. He has extreme arm talent. And Cade's a very accurate, very good passer. But J.J. can do some different things with the ball. Young Blake Corum had a game, didn't he? Oh, yeah. 12 carries, 71 games, five scores, five uh, ties a school record. So Great name, uh, too. Yeah, you kind of got that in common, don't you? Yeah. Anything else you have in common with the guy? No? No, I've never scored five touchdowns in the big (laughs) house, unfortunately. (laughs) Uh, Up next for the Wolverines, they begin their Big Ten slate. That will be at the big house come Saturday. Who's visiting? That would be the Maryland Terrapins. Dirty Terps. Does that uh, put any fear into you? 
You know what? Their offense can score. Their defense can't stop anyone, but they can score. And so I think it'll be a good first test for Michigan's defense. I mean, we talked about it a few weeks ago. I'm as as weak as their schedule's been. It's also been a really good thing because they could figure some things out. Oh, it's it's it's, it's the weakest paper. non-conference yes. Division One schedule. Yes. Period. Yes. But well, look, you that still have Minnesota, to perform. Yes, a hundred percent. Minnesota's non-con, as you know, with yeah. them coming to MSU next week, is has been a joke as well. Still got to play the game, laddie. Yes. All right. Uh, we're going to uh, focus on the Monday Night Football doubleheader. By the way, the Titans just scored. We are all knotted up in Buffalo at seven apiece. More to follow. Leave it here on 760 WJR. Yeah, usually uh, in the recent past, anyway, it was always week one. There'd be a Monday Night Football doubleheader. They moved it back to week two. I'm not complaining. Uh, in Buffalo, the Bills and Titans tied up at seven. Derrick Henry with a one-yard touchdown plunge for the Titans to even it up. Uh, but right now, taking a look at the uh, the old screeneroo, uh, the Bills once again on the move. Uh, you know, the way the Bills, Blake, completely dissected the Rams in the opener, I, I'm a believer, and I'll take it a step further. Is there any more athletic quarterback in the league than Josh Allen? It's Josh and Lamar. And Josh, I think, is a better thrower of the football than Lamar is. But, I mean, yeah, he's incredible. And and when he runs the ball, too, like, it's not all finesse like Lamar's runs. He'll, like, put his shoulder down and run people over. Well, and then uh, he got stuck a couple times uh, against the Rams, and he just kind of smiles. As he puts the ball down and goes back to the huddle. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, I think he's incredibly smart. I think he sees the field extremely well. I don't think, as far as being a mobile quarterback, that he thinks obviously run first. I think he does that just when necessary. And I'll be damned if it doesn't always pan out. Yeah. And the thing is, is he can throw the ball literally 70 yards on a rope. Just no uh, issue. Many under the impression. Well, not many. Uh, just some reading on uh, Twitter and whatnot that Derrick Henry is not the same. Looks the same to me. He's a big dude that can run over a lot of people. He, but I mean, I see what people are saying. Since his foot injury, he he isn't the same guy and doesn't have the same like get off. Uh, like you say, he's a big dude, and uh, I'm certainly. I don't know if I'd like to be a linebacker in the league and look up and see him running downhill towards me. No, not at all. That's all I know. Uh, once again, 7-7. Uh, Titans-Bills, 2.40 left in the first quarter. The nightcap, interesting. Uh, the Vikings and Eagles. Vikings get things going by beating Aaron Rodgers and the Packers. The Eagles, as you well know, uh, knock off our Lions. Uh, both teams 1-0. and oh. Philly favored by 3 and uh, I think Philly is an interesting team, just watching them. Uh, you know, Jalen Hurts, i got to be honest with you. I think he's translating to the NFL game a little bit better than I thought he would. Yeah, I agree. I was not, and I'm still not fully all in on Jalen Hurts, but I was definitely a Jalen Hurts hater at the beginning of his career, and he's he's developed into a nice player. You know, it's interesting, uh, slightly biased with Kirk Cousins being the former Spartan, 
this is a big year for him. Uh, right now, he's 23 of 32, 277 yards uh, to go along with two touchdowns. Um, it's a pivotal year because I know for a fact, uh, in the land of 10,000 lakes, there's a lot of non-believers. He's got to convert them. Yeah. I, I It helps when you have probably the best receiver in the NFL on your team. I think he's. I think Kirk is going to have a really, really good season. This uh, Justin Jefferson, you're buying into the hype. Yeah, I think he's the best receiver in the NFL. Really? Like legitimately? Yeah. He can play every position and do everything. He's not one dimensional in any way, shape, or form. He's incredible. Another uh, nice wideout out of LSU, correct? Yeah, him and Jamar Chase when that. That LSU team, that offense was an NFL offense. It's incredible. Uh, you know, under Mike Zimmer, the Vikings' calling card was supposed to be defense. And it was because they had some pretty damn good defenses during his stay there. Uh, and it seems as though, you know, just going back to the opener and watching the uh, Packers tilt, they're bringing a little muscle this year again. Yeah, definitely. It It's funny, though, how much that team seems to well now that they have an offensive minded head coach the defense is much more like complementary to the offense whereas before like you were saying it was just all about the defense and Zimmer I think he hated offense actually (laughs) (laughs) he definitely hated quarterbacks hey Mike what should we do here as far as why I I don't care I punt you know whatever you want to do I'm not sure if I'd go as far as to say, hey, look, we're one game in that the NFC North goes through Minnesota. I'm not there yet. I thought that the Vikings would be the best team in the division before the season started. And obviously, like week one, everyone's going to overreact and be like, oh, the Packers are dead and the Vikings are amazing. I mean, we saw what the Packers did last night to the Bears. I think that there's... Those two are the class of the division. And Detroit is going to be frisky all season. I think so as well. Um, But am I a fan of Aaron Rodgers, the person? No. Haven't been for a long time. I've always found him to be a me, me, me guy. Can he play the game? Yes, he can. Uh, But watching that Bears tilt last night, I'm sorry, but... Through the helmet, the dude looks like he's 63 years old. Yeah, but it helps when you have a running back like Aaron Jones who just dominated that game. And I do appreciate the way Aaron Rodgers has played the game. Yes, There's absolutely no doubt about it. And I still think he has some left in the tank when he's not thinking about hosting Jeopardy, you know, or doing this or doing that or whatever the case may be. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, still 7-7, uh, about 30 seconds left in the opening quarter in Buffalo with the Bills and Titans. That's going to wrap up our time. It was nice to catch up with Jamie, huh? It really was. Yeah, I think she's going to be uh, back here sooner rather than later, later certainly hoping for that. Uh, Nick Roddy will be back with us next week. Um, what else is going on? We'll figure it out. Hopefully, you will be with us as well. And uh, as always, thanks for listening to WJR.